Welcome to Hub City Homers. We are now on episode 21 and we're back from a bit of a winter hiatus. It's tough to get everybody on the same page for the holidays, but we are back on the air. Tonight it'll be myself, Jack, and Kendall. We were hoping to have Reed officially rejoin us. Unfortunately, due to a scheduling conflict, he can't tonight, but he will be back very soon, as in hopefully our next episode now that we're out of football season. So since Reed isn't here, we can wrap up the football season, reassess kind of the impact of the year briefly before moving full tilt in the basketball. Tonight, you can expect us to recap the big week in tech basketball. Two great showings, a loss in Iowa State with seven men, very hotly contested game, and then obviously another shorthanded performance against Kansas, this time with a win. So we're going to get right into it. We have a busy show. We're going to start on the football end, and I'm just going to do this in a big circle. So, Jack, we'll go to you first. With the, I guess the simple question is, you know, what did the bowl win mean for Tech football going forward? I think the bowl win meant a lot for, uh, for this roster. And I think it was a big, uh, a big key factor, and a lot of these guys uh, agreeing are kind of buying in for another year under McGuire. Uh, as you've seen in the past, uh, like a week or I guess we're at two weeks since the bowl game, really. Um, you know, we've had a lot of guys agree to come back, uh, you know, big names, Adrian Fry. Uh, I know Merriweather's coming back. Um, I know we're still waiting on a few names, but uh, one that I'm particularly waiting to see, or if I've missed it, then I've missed it so far, but uh, Brandon Boyer Randall. Uh, is also a possible uh, option to come back. And I think if he comes back, this defense gets just that much stronger. Um, you know, you're obviously – you're going to have to lose Rico Jeffers and Colin Schooler just by way of the fact that they are too old now and they have to go on and, uh, you know, I guess test the waters of the NFL – but, uh, you know, it's, it's just great to see that uh, Tech could come up with that huge win. And I, I truly believe – I saw something, and I can't remember who tweeted it. And if I did, I would give them a shout-out. Um, but I saw a tweet, and it really resonated with me this, or the week of the – or right after the bowl game. And it said, this is, what ha- or, this is what two teams look like. One that prepared to win the game – or with a coach that prepared to win the game and a coach that focused on himself trying to get paid. Now, does this win break the pirate curse? I think so. Uh, I don't think that there's anything that can be said about it. For the record, I will say that I am on team pay leech. I think that tech needs to pay him. Uh, I think that that needs to be settled and they just need to pay him be done with it, and both parties can go their separate ways. Um, but, you know, until I think there are some higher-ups at Tech that are out of their positions or out of positions of influence, uh, I don't think that will happen. Uh, but at the same time, for the program, it gives a huge jump start into the Joey McGuire era. Uh, I'm super pumped about it. I think that um, – the defense is a lot better than we thought it could be. So uh, with Ezukama leaving, uh, but Tech also getting a big uh, commit from Texas transfer Josh Moore, I think Josh Moore could could really be wide receiver one going into uh, spring camp. So uh, I just really am looking forward to how this roster ends up uh, shaking out. What about you, Kendall? 
Uh, I'm thinking that uh, really that bull win is the best possible outcome you could have hoped for going into next season because not only did it show that you can – like Mississippi State at one point this year was ranked in the top 15. They were, you know, competing with top 10 teams like their last game of the year against Ole Miss. And going into this game, nobody gave Tech a shot. And I think that not only keeping the game close, but actually we dominated them in every facet was just the step forward in what this new culture is going to be like, what this new team is going to be like. And like Jack said, all the guys that are coming back, that is just like the first step into building a new culture. And I think we saw – in the Liberty Bowl, just what that culture can be and what it can bring us. And that's as I think we're going to get a lot more talented over the next couple seasons because I think the recruiting is going to take a big step up under uh, Joey McGuire. So if we can continue this culture, the pump jack mentality, then I think with the talent we're going to have coming in, I think that this is is the best possible step that tech football could have taken. I'm never a big believer in bowl games, meaning a whole lot outside of a couple of, you know, obviously the New York six, if you're fortunate enough to make a playoff, um, or if you're, you're really, you know, uh, in one of the upper tier bowls, just underneath that New York six tier, the Liberty bowl is not one of those. However, for a program like tech, that was, let's face it, pretty lucky to get to the bowl game of everything going on. And, you know, it, it a 62-yard field goal to send you to the bowl game meant that this was just going to mean more for Tech. You know, they were they were happy. They were beyond pleased to get there. It meant a lot for this program to get there, even though um, <clears throat> you're playing in what, like the, the, the second to last or first to last um, Big 12 bowl. And, you know, it's it's just a question of, of – what do you do with the momentum you generated? Because I think when a program like tech with these programs who like desperately needed to get back to the bowl season, get these big wins, um, it's capitalizing on momentum is the critical factor. You know, can you take and convince guys to come back? Because this team is, is going to turn over quite a bit. Excuse me. This team's going to turn over quite a bit of guys. And, you know, every person you convince to stay for one more year, every guy who's getting, you know, quasi NFL caliber grades that you convince, hey, stay one more year up your draft score um, is a win. And I think Tech's done that so far. A couple of critical pieces in the secondary coming back. Uh, Merriweather coming back is a huge win for the program. The linebacker core will be very fierce with the returners there, even those schoolers leaving. You lose as a comma, but the offense is largely staying intact thanks to uh, uh, a lot of the, 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 the receivers being already pretty young. Um, you haven't really, I don't believe, heard any news about the running backs being in or out. So, you know, you're you're keeping together a nucleus that just got their first taste of major success. You know, getting to seven wins, beating up on a, on a, a Power 5 program in a, in a you know, a postseason game the, the, the nation was watching. You know, I hated the Mike Leach storyline heading into this game. Um, I like Jack. I've always been of the belief that we tech screwed Leach, but at the end of the day, like I didn't want to hear about that 
for a week, and that's what happened. But what that meant was is everybody was watching because the story going into the game was, is Leach going to try to run up the score? I mean, I thought they were going to, and then Tech just really took it to him on national TV with a bunch of people watching. And, you know, I think that meant something more to Tech than the average bowl game. Um, does it mean that Coach McGuire is for sure going to succeed? Does it actually have any impact on how you're going to perform next season? Of course not. But momentum's everything when you're just trying to get a program turned around. And very few bowl, t- uh, bowl games can actually give you the kind of momentum that beating your former coach with a nation watching after you were just happy and lucky to get to the bowl game. You broke the end. You, you, you have a goal next season, which is to break the streak of years where you haven't been able to put together consecutive bowl appearances. <clears throat> You're coming off a great recruiting class. I think everything coalesced for this bowl game to mean something for Tech. And the question just becomes, you know, you beat Mike Leach. Uh, everybody's excited and happy. The end of the pirate curse, whatever. Now, what do you do with it? You know, you have to now you have to actually go and win games. I think expectations for Coach McGuire <clears throat> may be a little unreasonably high in year one. But I think a bowl game is is the goal. And if he can get there and finally get tech to the point where as a program making a bowl game is the least of the of the objectives of the year, then that that's a critical first step. And it started with a coaching staff led by Coach Cumbie deciding to care when they didn't have any reason to. You know, none of these guys besides um, Coach Smith are coming back. So, you know, they had nothing to prove, nothing to play for. A lot of those guys are already at other jobs. Coach Cumbie having a head coaching gig at the uh, G5 level. And they they chose to care. And that helped install, you know, a bit of a, a, a boost and really built a culture and a discipline that was lacking under Coach Well. So, you know, that, that staff is going to go out um, – heroically for tech and if, for, forever grateful forever yeah. grateful 100 percent. i agree and if, if 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 this thing turns around you know if tech gets back to what mike leach was able to do which was every year you were a competitor in the big 12 you had you know aims for the, the big 12 championship though you never quite got there you you could count on eight win seasons if that's what we get back to doing it'll it'll have started with a staff that just chose to give a shit when they didn't have to, which is, you know, not been the case for some tech coaches um, throughout, throughout the program's history where you've had guys just, just quit, you know, big one being Tommy Tuberville who just gave up. Um, so, you know, that, that they're there, you can't count on a bowl win to do anything. Ask Iowa state what their new year six bolded for them, but for tech, it does mean something and it at least provides hope and promise and excitement into the off season to keep, to keep, the start of Coach McGuire's tenure, you know, uh, uh, burning pretty bright. So we're going to transition now off of the gridiron onto the hardwood. And I'm going to reverse the order this time. We'll be going to Kendall first with this question. We're looking at the Iowa State game first and foremost. You, if you're, you're playing with seven guys. None of your top scorers are in the game. Um, you're you're playing with effectively six guys and then K.J. Allen, who is at it, just – doesn't look ready yet for this level. Hopefully he will be soon, but, you know, effectively playing with six true guys out there. Um, you know, Kendall, what you saw, you were actually at the game in aim, so you can give an extra perspective on this. What did you like from that game? What did you see that, you know, got you excited for, for what was going on? What was a little bit disappointing and just, just talk about what you saw that night. You know, I had I, at that game, uh, I had a lot of people like friends, that go to Iowa State, like, kind of asking me, like, in general, like, if I actually thought Tech had a chance. And 
going into that game, any tech fan that has watched uh, any uh, tech basketball within the past couple of years under Mark Adams' defense has known that the defense is always going to be there no matter who is in the lineup. And that is the main reason that I personally felt that Tech did have a chance going into that game. But also, Iowa State, the one thing, the one knock that they do have on them this season is that as elite as they've been all season uh, defensively, they have been very, very bad offensively. And there are certain games that, you know, their defense has bailed them out. And this game was really one of them, but also just Tech having seven players really got to them at the end. And really, offensively, what I saw from Tech in that game, there was just, it was very obvious we were out with our, like, without our primary ball handlers. Because uh, Adonis Arms really, even at Winthrop, didn't run the point that much. And him and Warren were our primary ball handlers. And Warren, it's been one of his issues all year is when he is the primary ball handler, he tends to turn the ball over. And that did start to become evident down the stretch in names. And then also, Clarence Nadolny, he, for one, he's just phenomenal and the biggest energy guy out there. And he really was probably the best player in Ames honestly, just for everything he did defensively, if it wasn't for that BS tech that he got, I personally think that that tech walks out of Ames with the win because really all it comes down to, in the Big 12 especially, is if you if you can stay close throughout the whole game, you're going to be there. And if you stay within striking distance, and that's what tech did, and that's Really, all we could have expected was Tech to just stay somewhat close and give themselves a chance with their defense, and that's exactly what happened. Now, I I was a little concerned with the offense without Shannon and McCuller because, obviously, there are two top scorers, and the difference between Ames and the KU game was exactly what I kind of expected when you got uh, Malik Wilson in there and you got some better primary ball handlers. And I really felt that just having the seven guys and really not having a true point guard out there was really just the root of all the offensive problems. But as long as we don't run into that problem again this year, I really don't think we're going to see offensive struggles that bad all season. For what I what I think about Ames more than anything else is it two things. First and foremost, it's apparent that the, the team is starting to not just um, you know understand Coach Adams's defensive system, but it's starting to become second nature. You know, every rotation gets a little bit crisper, a little bit faster. They should close very. Uh, they close a lot more smoothly, you know, opportunities that offenses think are going to be there are quickly taken away. Even open looks get contested. It just, it looks like a team that's putting together all the pieces of the system that's made tech so dangerous um, since Chris Beard arrived and then departed under uh, uh, Mike, Mark Adams's tutelage. 
you know, the, the, the reality of the situation is, is that Tech is not going to be a great offensive basketball team this season. You know, I think when Shannon McCullough return, you're, you, you have the potential to get back to being a good offense. It looks like some guys you could, you really need to be, you know, studs are starting to come into their own. Eldoni being a guy nobody expected to really become, you know, a primary scorer. And he really took the charge the last two games. But um, you're going to have to win with defense. That's going to be how Tech wins. It's going to be how Mark Adams wants to win. He wants to win, you know, 67 58. You know, he wants to win 72 60. He wants these games to be slow rock fights. And it looks like this team is. We've always known this team was athletically gifted enough to do this, and it looks like the system's finally clicking. The second thing I saw on Ames is um, Clarence Naldoni announcing to not just you know Texas Tech fans, but I think to Coach Adams and the coaching staff that look like I'm more than just your six seven guy off the bench. You know, I'm more than just an energy shot. I'm more than just a a, a tough basketball player. Like I can and should be a part of what this team needs to do to win games. I could defend at a high level and I can score. You know, he's never been a scorer. And 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 I against Iowa State, you saw him really get downhill and attack and really look to score and really become more of an option offensively and stay with the defensive intensity. So I think, you know, you can't learn much about a team that's not playing with most of its best players. But what you can learn is what do individuals bring to the table and I think Clarence Naldoni really made a case for himself to get more playing time, which we then saw against Kansas, him take that to a whole other level. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. Um, I was actually looking up some stats during all this so far, and it, it really kind of was interesting to me that uh, I know we're filming this or we're taping this on Saturday after the Kansas game, but in the Iowa State game, Nadolny played 36 minutes, and today he played 34. So he actually played less today, but God, did it feel like he played a lot? It felt like, to me at least, I don't know about y'all, but uh, to me at least, it felt like he played a lot more today than he did against Iowa State, just because he was. I felt like every time there was something happening, he was right there. Um, you know, today, career-high 17 points. He was uh, 6 of 13 from the field. And other than Davion Warren, who made 3 of 3 from the line, Nadolny was the only person that made all of his free throws, made all five. Um, he had three steals on his own. That was the tops for Tech. But I agree 100%. And the fact that I think over these last two games, um, he definitely deserves some more playing time. I think that it's there to be had with, uh, you know, Malik Wilson coming off uh, the knee scope and everything. Um, Malik Wilson played great today. I know uh, I'll get back to the Iowa State game right now, but – I was very impressed with the amount of tenacity and heart that Tech played. They could have easily just showed up and mailed it in, uh, say, you know what, we got seven guys. Iowa State's at pretty much full strength. We'll live to fight another day. You know, we'll take this 20-point loss, 20-25 point loss, and call it a day from there. But uh, I was I was very pleased with them staying in it and actually them being in the game, you know, late 
late in the second half. I was I was pretty shocked and um, pleasantly surprised, I should say, at the effort put out. And I agree with what Kendall said. You really always know that the defense is going to be there with Coach Adams, but uh, it's the offense right now. And I think that with the Kansas game today, you just get a lot more of that uh, back. Yeah, I just think that when you look back over the course of this year, this the, what happened in Ames will be a game you circle is for both being a frustrating loss, you know, the free throw troubles that you talked about being a big problem, and then uh, a game that you, you really felt like you had a chance to steal despite everything, and then a game that you're just really proud of, you know, a game that set the tone for what Mark Adams wants to do. Now, we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the Iowa State game before shifting to KU, and I guess the question there is, um, presuming that Terrence Shannon's health is still an issue, which we, we just don't know what the, what the situation is with his back, and, and Kevin McCullough's situation, we, we still also don't know there what really is the situation with him. You may not have those guys going into a very tough week. You know, with what you saw against Iowa State, who... Um, you know, was just an all-around pretty bad offensive performance and a much better one today against Kansas. But looking at the Iowa State game, you know, how – who – of the guards outside of there and and Malik Wilson, who was out for Iowa State, of, you know, Adonis Arms and Davion Warren, you know, what what do they got to change about their game in order to help Tech until we can get back McCuller, Shannon, and Wilson can get back up folds of speed? I think uh... – I'll chime in real quick before I'll let Kendall deep dive into it. But I think it's what Kendall has already said. I think uh, to improve this game, I think Davion Warren needs to clean up the turnovers. Uh, I know there's one today where he he turned the ball over then got posterized by Christian Brown. But, um, you know, I I just think that Davion Warren needs to clean up the turnovers. Um, I just think that, there are times where I've noticed that the guards could take a note from Nadolny and get a little bit more aggressive at times, you know, kind of drive the paint, maybe cause a double team to collapse on them and kind of dish the ball to an unguarded big for either a dunk or an easy layup. I think those are there to be had at this point in time. We noticed that a lot today uh, against Kansas. I'll say that uh, there's a lot of, a lot of points in the paint. So I think that's that that could be a key stat for this team going forward is how as long as uh, TJ and uh, K Mac are out, I just think that we got to look inside. And uh, I'm just saying, uh, I know I'm a little jumping ahead a little bit, but if Bryson Williams plays the way he did today, I mean, this team is dangerous. And I'm just going to kind of add on top of that. So today against KU, uh, is exactly what Davion Warren really, for the most part, needs to do. He did have a couple sloppy plays, but when KU went into the zone, the X factor to finally figuring out what they what we could do against him was Davion Warren getting to the rim and drawing some fouls. And really, I said at the beginning of the year, that's what he needs to do. That needs to be his go-to. And one thing I noticed in Ames being there in person on the offensive end, they were doing a lot of like subs, obviously, with only seven guys. It seemed a lot of offensive possessions through that throughout that second half. Davion Warren wasn't on the floor, and it did frustrate me a little bit being there just because Davion is one of the only guys 
in that group of seven that can really find his own shot when he needs to. And Adonis Arms, as good as he is, I just felt like he is a lot more productive off of the catch and shoot and, you know, not as the primary ball handler. I feel like he's just not as good as other guys as get, getting to the paint and finding the guy on the outside. And I feel like he would have been a lot better used in Ames, you know, as a spot up shooter rather than the primary ball handler. And I think that's just one thing that could have been a lot better. I think in general, we took a lot of stupid shots at Iowa State. No matter how many guys we had, we were just chucking up some bad threes, like some stupid step backs and stuff that just typically don't happen. But, you know, that has to be expected when you're missing your top two scores and you don't know where the scoring is going to come from. And I think after playing one game without them, we really saw the difference in what just a couple days of actual practice and figuring out better offensive schemes can do for you because the jump we saw from Iowa State to KU was just insane offensively because it's not like KU is a bad defensive team. Like the past couple years, they have been really effing good defensively and Abaji is a great on-ball defender and their backcourt is really, their guards are just really aggressive defensively. So what we're able to do today offensively is really what I'm hoping we can do consistently with however long TJ and Kev are out, uh, especially against Baylor. Uh, they're going to, they have a very similar defense to Iowa state. So I'll be interested to see how well what we did today translates to Baylor, but really it's just the constant movement that really was getting tech open looks today and the, and the rebounding, which we match up extremely well, uh, in our next couple matchups, uh, just down low. And I think ultimately, like Jack said, just the guards have to clean it up. Uh, we can't be having as many sloppy turnovers, but really, I just don't think that there's that much more that needs to change because what, what I saw today against KU was just phenomenal. When I look at Warren, I see a guy who's just like, he's one of the more frustrating players I think tech has had in a while. And it's not because he doesn't play well. It's just, he should be so much more dominant as a, as a, as a driving guard than he is. And the problem that keeps coming up is just, it, it, it's the, the, the sense that he drives into the lane. He makes a couple of good moves. He gets a little bit of separation and the defense reacts. It closes on him. A lot of these times you want them to close on you. You kick out to open shooters my problem with Davion Warren is when he drives, it's very apparent he never and never dawns on him to look for the next pass out a lot. And I mean, it happens way too often where it's clear he just didn't have a backup plan and, or even worse, he'll just flail around in the paint and get it stripped. It just, he doesn't put together that next step to take him from a good you know, guard to a great one because tech needs him to be aggressive. They need his ability to get, get inside the lane and attack. And you will get buckets from that. But the, you know, 40% of the time the defense reacts appropriately and rotates over, you got to go find the open shooter. And then you got to get the ball out of your hand. For Adonis Arms, I think that the biggest thing for him is you just need him to become more of a three-point shooter than you thought you were going to need him to be. Um, I think we all kind of hope that, you know, Sadar Calhoun or Kevin O'Banner would really um, 
take over that role for this team, or hell, even Shannon McCuller would take on more of that role. But it, it really does look like Adonis Arms is going to have to be one of your more most consistent three point shooters. Um, you saw that against KU today. It's just there there weren't there aren't many three pointers if he's not making them. So he's got to to just keep looking to find open looks and hitting that shot because it's that that's the that's the role Tech really desperately needs him to fill is to be a, 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 a spot up jump shooter. You know, I don't I don't think long term you ever want him to necessarily be your primary ball handler. Um, not that he's particularly bad, any worse at it than anybody else. It's just you need him to be moving around, finding open looks and taking those looks because we just don't have a good jump shooter right now. You know, O'Banner's struggling to find a stroke. Um, Bryson Williams is probably what, like your second best three-point shooter if uh, Shannon's out of the game right now, and that's just a problem. You know, he you need him doing other things. So I, I think that that's the role Adonis Arms is going to have to take on. Now we're going to pivot to the KU game, which is the good news of this of this hellish week down a lot of guys. You play Kansas shorthanded, but you do get back several critical pieces, including most importantly Malik Wilson. And uh, I'm going to let Kendall do this because I think he's mentioned it before. So we'll start with him here. We're talking about Malik Wilson. Just what? How, how does he impact the game for Tech? You know, how how does he make take this team to the next level? What about his play seemed to stabilize the offense? When uh, it's it's apparent when he's not in, things are a bit shaky. Uh, it was very obvious. The very first possession he was in offensively, actually, uh, he got the ball up top and he had uh, pick and roll with. I think it was oh, I think it was O'Banner, uh, and right away it was probably the best pass that I had seen in the last two games combined, where he just hit him on the roll. And that is the one thing that was missing. We really didn't have a guy that's used to, you know, distributing the ball and having that be his primary goal. And that's what Malik was doing at the beginning of this year was he was really providing that true point guard role. And what a lot of people probably didn't necessarily know when he came in was he was probably the best on-ball defender in the Sunbelt Conference last year, you know, outside of – the Sunbelt did have a couple other really good defensive players, but he came in and he was just, he is absolutely elite on ball. He just gets after you. He creates havoc. Even if it's not necessarily getting a steal every time, he just makes it difficult, forces catches way outside the perimeter. So it's way harder for teams to get into their offense. And he is so elite defensively. And I think that's going to, become evident down the stretch especially when we're starting to play teams with really talented guards and I it'll become especially obvious against uh Baylor this week uh he's just such a difference maker on the defensive end and offensively he was clutch I mean he hit that three late in the with about four minutes left he uh he was able just to get us out of bad situations when we were wasting clock. He got the ball into his hands and got the ball moving more and created just more open looks and really spread the floor out. So I think that he adds a whole new dimension that typically the only other guy on Tech's roster could really add it is McCuller, in my opinion, because he's the only other one that's really good at distributing the ball evenly. And I think that Malik coming back just that's really was the biggest difference maker in this game to me was him just having another true guard out there that can really 
so we can move the ball better and just have a better flowing offense. Jack, I'll let you take it next. Um, you know, I think that I, I mean, I would just second everything that Kendall, I, the thing that really stuck out in my mind today is when Malik came in or that three that he hit with about four minutes left. That was a huge point in the game. You know, Kansas was trying to make that comeback, you know, with a Baji and Christian Brown making all those buckets. And then, um, you know, I guess Jalen Tyson decided to remember how to shoot today in Lubbock. So I feel like there's always one person on an opposing team that has a career day against Tech. And, um, but, you know, it, when it all comes down to it, Malik Wilson makes this team leaps and bounds better. Um, I'll have the stats pull up 24 minutes on the floor, five points four rebounds, and five assists. Uh, so, I mean, like I said, the the passing was there today. I think that was the real key in today's game was the quality of passing, as Kendall mentioned. Um, not even just from Malik Wilson, but from everyone. Uh, there, were, there were some great passes here and there, and uh, I just think that this team is – it's dangerous. Uh, I'm not going to say it's elite or uh, it's very good. I mean, they are good at times. Uh, you know, we've seen the de- the defense will be there. Um, but, you know, there are times mainly I the first one that comes to my mind is against, well, not just Iowa State with seven guys, but with Tennessee. Uh, you know, the, the offense is – it's getting there slowly, but surely it's getting there and it's working up to it. And so Malik Wilson puts an express lane. And for those of you that are, uh, you know, in metropolitan areas, there's an express lane, uh, you know, on the big, on the big highways, you know, uh, so on the tolls. So, you know, you can pay a little bit extra and get to that express lane and get to wherever you're going a little bit quicker. The speed limit's higher. There's less traffic because n- not everyone wants to pay tolls. Malik Wilson, to me, is that express lane. Uh, you know, he's the one that really ups this offense and gets it to where it needs to go. And I think that just even the fact that he's there on the sideline and available um, – makes it that much easier for this tech offense. And I think that there are shout outs that need to be made to this tech training staff um, to get Malik Wilson back as fast as we got him back after a knee scope that happened about two and a half weeks ago, like that turnaround, you know, in between, you know, 14 and 21 days, that's, or I guess it's been about a month really, but I mean, 30 days after a knee scope, that's, that's really like an absurd amount of time. Like it's very quick. And so uh, this, this training staff needs uh, to have its shout out made and I'll make that for them. Um, I'm just super pumped with what was, what was proven today on the court that, you know, even shorthanded um, that this team can really hang with anyone. And, and I mean, you know, you know, you beat Kansas as a blue blood. 
some years they're ranked 10, some years they're ranked one. Uh, you know, this, this time around they were ranked six. So this wasn't just a, you know, no, no disrespect to any other teams in the big 12, but this isn't like, you know, a Kansas state or, uh, you know, an Oklahoma coming into Lubbock and tech beating them soundly by, you know, eight to 10 points. This is a number six ranked team in the country um, that is blue blood and known for its success each year, year in, year out. And I think that, uh, you know, Mark Adams deserves a ton of credit. Uh, this this game plan was A1, 100% on point, and it was executed damn near perfectly. And uh, they were talking about it on the broadcast. I don't know if y'all were actually listening to the ESPN broadcast. I tend to try and avoid it just because a lot of them don't know what they're talking about when it comes to tech basketball. But today I gave – Gave it a shot because Fran Fraschilla was on the call. And he said that before the game, Mark Adams told him that if Tech scores 70 points, that it's a win for Tech. And obviously the final score was 75 to 67. So you talk about a guy that knows his team. He he knows their weaknesses. uh, He knows their faults. He knows their strengths. Um, I'll I'll put it back into the group here and – I'll, I'll kind of pose a question and kind of change things up a little bit. How worried I'll go, I'll throw it to Mike since he has, doesn't really get to answer questions. Mostly kind of change the order up here. How worried are you? I'll put it this way. Today we saw a bit of a rut from this Texas tech offense when playing the zone against a zone. This has been apparent in a lot of the games where we have, put less points on the board. How concerned are you about this team when it comes to playing the zone? I would say you have to be at least somewhere between mildly and very concerned. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's possible to look at how tech performs against a zone and think to yourself like, Oh, well, okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. I think teams, that attack tech with a zone are going to find success continuously until somebody on tech's roster uh, starts hitting outside shots with any regularity, or you just need to do a much, much better job attacking the weaknesses in these zones. I mean, it, it just feels way too often that with how tech's offense is set up right now, that when teams go to zone tech spends 25 seconds of the possession, just passing the ball around the arc slowly or dribbling around or standing in place. You just, you can't, you can't beat a zone like you do beat, you know, man defenses, which is you try to try to find a hole with a cut and stuff. You got to pass the ball around, force the defense to react, force them to move side to side. Um, and most importantly, you have to hit jump shots You know, you have to hit threes. You got to hit mid range jumpers. If you hit enough of those teams will go out of the zone. You know, they'll, You'll have to shoot them out of it. That's the number one way to beat the zone is to shoot somebody out of it. And it's why you don't see a lot of it anymore in college basketball or in the NBA at all is because you just can't, you can no longer sit back in these zones against most teams and expect them not to just bury threes in your face. Um, Tech is one of the teams that so far this year, teams that have gone to zone have had extremely high amounts of success with it. I mean, we all remember the Providence loss. Almost all of that is due to the fact Tech didn't know how to attack a zone. Do I think Tech, 
you know, is going to suddenly become a great three-point shooting team? No, but I do think Mark Adams is getting more experience coaching against it, and I think you're going to just keep seeing Tech try to develop uh, a, a better, better ball movement to force the zone to to show its, you know, show the openings. And a lot of that's going to start and end with, you know, you need Terrence Shannon back to be able to do that effectively and Kevin McCuller back to do that effectively. Um, and Malik Wilson's got to have a great game to, to attack the zone effectively. I mean, you just need so many guys. It's the problem with the zone. If you're not going to shoot the ball well, you need a lot of guys to to make the correct decision multiple times. It can't just be one pass across the court. You need to be, you know, two, three. And it's it needs to be, the ball needs to be moving fast, needs to be moving across across the arc. And if it, that that's what you've got to do if you're not going to hit threes. So you need a lot of guys to play well. So the easiest solution is somebody like Kevin O'Banner hits two threes. You know, he, he gets he gets a little bit of separation, takes the three that's given to him, drains it. And then they'll come out of that stupid zone. So until until Tech figures out you know, the shooting things that's going on. You just got to hope that Mark Adams, as he sees more and more of these zones getting deployed, he gets more and more used to coaching his guys through them. Um, I think, you know, obviously in, in nobody, nobody's deployed the zone and had as much success as Providence did. So on the one hand, I think that you can argue tech is getting better, but it it's still a problem and a, a change of pace. You're going to see guys throw at tech all year. I think most college basketball teams are always going to start man now or some matchup man zone thing. And then you'll start to see more true zone in the second half when teams are looking to try to throw a punch at tech um, who, who, when they get on a roll a bit offensively, it's just, it's just something tech has to deal with until they figure out, you know, what, what, what's going on with your three point shooting, you know, until Kevin O'Banner finds a stroke. Um, it's really what everybody's kind of waiting on now. And that that's something I want to talk about. You've got Kevin, you've got these transfers who were all big time scorers. You, you know, Bryson Williams had a great game today, but he he's another one of those guys. He's been very streaky this year. Kevin O'Banner, big time scorer at Oral Roberts, Davion Warren, big time scorer, Adonis Arms, probably actually of all the transfers, had like the least scoring due to the, the system run there with the platoons. Um but you've got a bunch of guys who at moments in their career have just completely taken over against division one teams and scored 20 points. And with, with Bryce and Williams gave you one of those games today, but you're looking at the guys who haven't really done that, which is Kevin O'Banner in particular, who I'm highlighting here. Um, you know, what, what, what does tech need to do to get these guys to wake up? You know, how in particular, how can tech help Kevin O'Banner you know, go from being what he's, he's really embraced being kind of a gritty forward, pulling down rebounds, making passes, but it just, he doesn't look like the same player that torched Ohio state. So how can tech help him? And what does he need to do to get back there? I'll let you, You I'll let you get at it, Kendall. Well, I just wanted to, well, first I wanted to just talk about the zone thing real quick, going back to, Really, with the, even the elite Chris Beard teams, uh, the biggest issue was always getting a zone thrown at them. And, you know, actually what I've seen this year, the Providence game was really, really bad. But even the steps from that game to the KU game, what I saw was it took us a couple possessions really but then we finally started to move the ball, get it inside, back out, and then people were driving, getting contact, and we were able to maintain the lead that we had built up, which typically in the past, 
when someone went into a zone, we were not scoring. Tech was not even that we couldn't dream of scoring. And the biggest thing that I've really noticed, uh, especially today, was our shots weren't falling, but we didn't panic offensively like we did in uh, against Iowa State. So I think that taking away what I took away from just the zone offense today was that it did progressively get better and it is going to take some time. But thankfully, a lot of the teams in the Big 12 uh, are very hesitant to go zone. Uh, the only ones that I've really noticed this year that have gone zone consistently in bad situations have been Texas and uh, and West Virginia has. So we shouldn't necessarily have to worry about it that much, but it will be something to keep an eye on. And like you were talking about, I think the one thing that would help Kevin O'Banner be the most successful is, you know, coming into this this year after last year's NCAA tournament, everyone's expectations for O'Banner were sky high and to be that like 20 point per game scorer. But the thing that I saw today was, you know, he might not be impacting the game in the way that we expected for him when coming uh, to tech. But the way he rebounded today was a bigger game changer than anything else he could have done today besides possibly hitting some shots. Uh, He was so elite on the boards today. Like if anyone was near him, the ball was his and he was creating second opportunities for our offense. And, you know, as much as I would like him to be able to, you know, be an elite shooter outside. If we can't get that from him, at least we're getting something elite from him, which with our past transfers, we really haven't seen. But kind of just switching up the topic here since we're kind of running a little low on time and I want to get this in. Uh, This is for either of you, whoever wants to take it first. Just going into the Baylor game, we've seen Baylor's version of the no middle consistently now. And coming into the KU game, we had uh, like an eight-game losing streak to Kansas and Baylor. What can we do, especially on the offensive end, to really just give Baylor our best shot? And what can we do to carry from the KU game over to this Baylor game? You can go, Jack. I'll let you take it first. Uh, I'll, I mean, mine's going to be quick. It's a simple fix. Um, I think it deals with a lot of what we did today. Um, if you look at Mitch Lightfoot's stats, his minutes were way down today because he was in foul trouble. Uh, at the end, there were a couple possessions where, uh, you know, we had some screens and we got uh, Ochai Abaji on Bryson Williams and we just fed it down to Bryson Williams and Abaji had four fouls. So he wasn't going to touch him. So he just went right up and laid it in with no resistance at all. I think you got to, you got to focus on getting a lot of these Baylor guys. Mostly uh, I'm looking to get Chumway Chachway in, uh, in some foul trouble. Uh, that would help out greatly. Um, you know, Mark Vidal's not there anymore. He he played his seven years at Baylor, and they decided to ask him to leave. Uh, so, And now he plays tight end on the practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, you know, it's, it's a crazy thing, but 
I think the more people you get into foul trouble down low against Baylor, the more you can, you know, attack their front court. Kind of like today, uh, in all all honesty, I mean, let's be real with with everyone. You know, Kansas' front court this year is pretty weak compared to uh, previous years. Uh, I mean, you have Lightfoot and McCormick, but, I mean, other than that, you have Clements, and, you know, that's honestly, playing time-wise, that's pretty much it. So, um, you know, you have three guys down low, so their front their front court is the worst that has been in years, Kansas's. So uh, I think you do the same thing. You just feed the ball down low uh, and pray to God that, you know, uh, Bryson Williams' performance kind of keeps going on from this from this Kansas game. I think the more foul trouble you get in down, get the bears in down low. Uh, like I said, most of it chum with Chachway. I mean, you get, you get those guys in foul trouble down low. Granted, they are a great three shooting team. Uh, Flagler proved that today against TCU. Uh, but you know, you, you got to get these guys, force them to make shots on the outside. Uh, you know, and, and you know, just kind of roll with the punches. I think that you can you play good defense enough on the perimeter that if you get these guys down low in foul trouble, this game really plays into favor for Texas Tech. I like the idea of going at you know going at these guys to take it down low, and I think Tech's success today did in fact boil down to entirely their success just attacking the rim, getting in close. I think they shot like forty two layups or something insane. Um, um, and it was just like a, a, a wild amount of your scoring came inside the paint, which had to drive Kansas friends crazy. That's a formula you do have to attempt to replicate to a degree against Baylor. You know, you're not a great outside shooting team. You have to get to the rim to finish. That's going to be your bread and butter. It would be great to get Terrence Shannon back for this game. He's your best, you know, just heads up attacking guards. Uh, but what I also really think defensively you got to do against Baylor is you cannot cannot allow the bears to get anything easy. They're too good. You know, you can't make it easy for them. There have been times this year when tech has not been great defensively, um, you know, or up to Mark Adams, standard, they've always been pretty good defensively. Um, and when that's happened, they've given guys easy looks and things of that nature. Not everybody's going to make you pay for all those looks all the time. Baylor is good enough to bury you. If you give them too many Gonzaga did it to tech to a degree, you know, you let some of these guys get a little bit more open from three and Gonzaga just wiped you out. If you let Baylor get, Simple, open looks, uncontested shots. You turn the ball over and give them easy transition. You can't make what a team that most people think will be playing for the national title have an easy go of it. It's got to be hard for them. You need to, every rotation needs to be sound. Every three-pointer they take, even the open ones, needs to be somebody moving downhill in a hurry to contest. If you I'll, do I'll, that, I'll, I'll interject real quick. Uh, yeah. to, your, to your point, 44 points in the paint for Tech to 18 for Kansas. Yeah, which is just wild. And that, but like I said, if you're a Kansas fan, that's like borderline like depression, you know, like full-blown tears stat to read about after the game. That's an absurd differential and an absurd number of points coming from in the paint. Baylor's not going to give you that. So looking offensively, you know, y- you have to find scoring from outside the arc. You're going to have to attack as much as you can downhill. I think you do have to try to attack Baylor's uh, uh, front court, try to get some of these guys into some foul trouble. But Baylor's going to clamp down, 
You know, there's going to be stretches where you just can't get into the paint. That's when you need a guy like O'Banner and uh, Adonis Arms or uh, 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 really anybody, Bryson Williams, somebody to step out and hit a three, force Baylor to respect you from beyond the arc so that you can keep coming after him. If they think they can pack the lane, which the no middle already makes it more easy for them to do and really just just stonewall your drives and you can't do anything about it. That's how tech has lost to Baylor the last few years. It's just an inability to attack the paint because they can't force Baylor to respect them from the art. So you're going to, you're going to have to play a great game to be Baylor. That's just reality. Everybody knows it. You can't beat Baylor half-assing this, you know, they're, they're too good at everything. They're probably going to be playing for a national title unless some some bad stuff happens to them, or at least they have all the potential in the world to be playing for a national title, barring some major injuries. So you've got to play your best basketball game against Baylor. And to be honest, I think you've you just got to pray Terrence Shannon and McCullough can go. I don't think you can beat Baylor like you did Kansas today being, you know, uh shorthanded. Do you do you think do you think hypothet I mean if you really want to get down to it hypothetically, you know, Baylor plays a version of the no middle defense. Like we've all talked about in reference. Don't, I mean, all three of us, can't we be in agreement? You think that, you know, in practice tech has seen some of it, at least in the off season, you know, you know, in inner squad scrimmages, stuff, whatever, you know, tech hypothetically should kind of know how to attack this defense. I think the problem is, is that how teams have beaten tech, on offense, the best offensive performances teams have put up against Tech have been you hit 10 threes, you hit 15 threes, you had guys drop, you know, shoot eight for eight from beyond the arc. That's how teams have scored against Tech. I mean, we're, we're looking over six year history. Tech has not given up many good offensive performances during this time period. There's like six in the last six years where a team's really just had like an all around good offensive performance. When that's happened, it's been because they hit three pointers. That's that. That's what breaks down the no middle is if you force teams to hit take those contested threes those those open threes and they can't hit 40 percent of them there's not a lot of scoring to go elsewhere that's that's why i think tech is so susceptible to what baylor's done the last few years is other than when davide moretti the the italian stallion himself and matt mooney were prowling the court together tech's just not been a good three-point shooting team and i think that it helps to be familiar with the system. I do think that gives Tech some edge when it comes to attacking it in the paint. But what breaks that defense down at the end of the day is your three-point shooting. And that that's, you know, we just got to pray to God somebody finds their stroke. Because if you do, the looks are there. That's what it's designed to give up. And I know Mark Adams is going to be, you know, I, the guy who watches as much film as he does, he's going to rever- reverse scout his ass to death, you know, really examine his system for holes and try to figure out how his team can exploit what Scott Drew has basically stolen from Tech, which does bring up something. You know, it's kind of neat at the end of the day to think about Mark Adams' impact on basketball. How many guys can honestly say, like, they created a defensive system good enough that other coaches have poached it and won a national title with it. So I think that's kind of neat. Um, Kendall, I want to get your thoughts on the Bears. When you're looking at how Baylor's won games, I don't think they're quite as dominant as they were last season, but they are still a, a top three team. Where where does Tech need to go um, to, to, try to, to try to push the Bears? And in, in your eye, in your mind, how does this Baylor team stack up to some of the great teams Tech has played already? Um, personally, I actually think that tech matches up really, really well with Baylor, whether we have 
uh, TJ and Kev are not. And the reason I say that is because defensively, the biggest thing that Tech is going to need to do, as good as Chamachachua is down low, I really think that our bigs can handle him. And Flo Thamba is not on the floor very long with their starting five. So what it comes down to is the guard play. And defensively, Tech is just so good at contesting shots now because of our length that we have, no matter who's out on the floor, and just how much like closer up we've been playing defensively and how much more aggressive we've been these past couple games that I actually think that defensively we can really create a lot of problems no matter who's out there on the court for us. Offensively, what really the game that really sticks out to me for Baylor, there's two of them actually, against ISU, really, ISU couldn't hit a three to save their life. They were one for 14 from three, and that's like just putrid. And I personally think that Tech is going to have to make some threes in this game, and I don't know who it's going to come from. Uh, Arms, Warren, O'Banner, Nadoni, someone's just going to have to step up and make some because that is the best. The way Baylor's gotten beaten is teams just making jump shots. And your last question on how just Baylor kind of matches up, I think from what I've seen this year, they are far and away the best team in the country right now. Uh, Because even teams like Purdue, Gonzaga, uh, Duke, they're struggling with teams that are – in the, the bottom tier of their conferences, honestly. Like right now, I think Duke is losing to Miami and Purdue lost at home to Wisconsin, which Wisconsin's a very good team, but not on the level I think that a top team should be at. And Baylor is just consistently beaten teams. You know, t- the TCU game, they were down at halftime, but that second half wasn't close today. Uh, and Iowa State, really, the score was a lot closer than that actual game was to me. I felt like Baylor had control of that game the whole time. And the only game that has really been that big of a scare for Baylor this year was when they played VCU in the Battle of Atlantis. And VCU is a team very similar to Tech defensively. And that's what creates a lot of issues for a team like Baylor. is just a, an aggressive team defensively that matches up well with their style. And... I think if Tech offensively can do a lot of the things we did today and just some good ball movement and get good shots and good looks, I think we're at least going to be able to compete with them. I want to give one more shout-out before we uh, before we end this. I'd like to give a shout-out to our two recruits that were at the game today, and what a better time for a win than to have Jalen Tyson and co. Uh, in attendance at the game today. I'm sure that had to be – uh, some pretty cool stuff to watch for them. All right, so Kendall, uh, with with the game coming up uh, against Baylor and all, and everyone, we've all voiced our concerns and our, uh, you know, what Tech can do to directly impact. What is uh, what is your prediction going to be for this one? Um, I think that Tech is going to keep it close no matter what, but ultimately I just think that uh, Baylor, really, if we don't have TJ or Kev, which I'm assuming we don't, 
uh, is just going to be too much to overcome. And I ought to have something around like the 66 to 60 range, somewhere in there. But I could also very well see Tech winning this game if the ball if the ball bounces right for them. I mean, there's just a lot of things that will go into it. But ultimately, I think Tech is going to drop this one. But still, getting this Kansas win and winning at least one of the first three will be a huge step once we do get back to full strength because I think that this team is going to be really dangerous. I think that uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty close to you on that. Uh, you know, I, I think that tech can keep it close at the end, but I think overall, I think Baylor's just too much. Um, I, I'm thinking more of um, with two no middle defenses kind of going at each other uh, and kind of two minds kind of going to outsmart each other. I'm, I'm looking more high fifties. So I'm thinking more like maybe, you know, uh, 57, 52 or 57, 50. Um, I, again, I do think that, um, with all the things that we talked about tonight, if, if tech can, um, you know, possibly get some of their bigs in foul trouble and kind of eliminate their, their, uh, outside the perimeter game, uh, mostly their threes, uh, and tech finds some sort of, uh, shooting performance from someone from three. I, I really do think that, uh, you know, this game could be close. Uh, the one thing that I'd like to, uh, look at and kind of make sure it doesn't happen is kind of what we're seeing, uh, for those of you that are keeping up to date with the lady Raiders right now, which is not having a post top 10 win, uh, kind of meltdown, so to speak. We don't want to, we don't want a big game hangover, uh, hitting. And that's kind of what's unfortunately unfolding for tech right now. Uh, I watched the first half kind of while we were, uh, recording and, uh, just a lot of missed layups, a lot of sloppy basketball and everything. So I, I really, uh, I'm really hoping that in this uh, time we'll be able to, uh, we'll be able to, you know, uh, see what's going on and uh, just stay in it with these guys, kind of keep it close, kind of like we did in the Iowa State game, you know, and maybe in this game in Waco, you know, a couple things fall our way, unlike they did in Ames. Yeah, with Baylor, I like to think, you know, you have to play your best basketball game. We don't know the status of, of Shannon McCullough as of right now. And if those two guys are out in particular, it's very much an uphill battle. It's, it's similar to Kansas. You know, at this point, Baylor is becoming a regular perennial power. What Scott Drew done, has done over there is amazing. Uh, winning the national title at Baylor is probably one of the more un- improbable things in sports when you consider where their basketball program was. And they are, well, I don't wouldn't say they're quite as dominant as they were last year, where they were just so much better than anybody else. They are still the best team in the nation by a decent degree. Um, you know, they've got a lot of great players. They're well coached. You got to go to Waco. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be uphill. And without knowing the status of, you know, part of your, your scoring, it's going to be tough to say for sure how Tech will fare. But I think if Tech plays its best basketball game, they can compete with Baylor. You know, I don't, I don't think that Baylor is leaps and bounds better than Kansas. Um, they, I think they are better than Kansas on face value, but I, I think that Tech was able to thoroughly outplay Kansas, you know, down Shannon and McCuller. On the road in Waco, you you have to play like you did again. You have to play strong defensive basketball, uh, make your free throws, play play mistake-free. And if you do all that, you'll have a chance at the end of the game. Um, I'm going to take Tech to win this one by three, just because I think if you're going to beat Baylor, it's going to be very, very close. Um, 
your odds significantly improve if Shannon or McCullough plays or both play, um, even if they're rusty. And Wilson getting another game in will be helpful as well. I, I, I don't necessarily fully vibe with the idea that we match up particularly well with Baylor. I think there's a reason why Chris Beard teams seem to struggle a bit with the Bears, um, being that they are very familiar with the defense that Tech runs and vice versa. So you lose some of your competitive edge there. And I think, you know, Tech is going to have to knock down outside shots and play their best basketball game to win. But, you know, this, this is the a homers podcast. So we'll, we'll take Tech here and we'll take it by three. And I'll, let's, let's just say for fun, uh, 72-69 just to put a score on it. And um, th- th- this will wrap up our show tonight. We're going to try to record more semi-regularly. Um, it's basketball season, so there's a lot more games going on, obviously, every week. So we may try to switch to a mini episode during the week after particularly big moments of the season. But in the meantime, we are officially back from our winter break. So you'll be hearing from us weekly. Wreck em.